Well, that was a kick in the nuts. The Vikings lose 21 to 20 on the road in Denver in prime time. All kinds of magic runs out. There is a lot that is deeply frustrating about this game, and we will get to it on the Locked On Vikings postcast. You are Locked On Vikings postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings postcast, the after game show where Ron Johnson, Sam Ekstrom, and I are here. No matter how bad it feels to talk about the game, (laughs) we will be here after every single one. And that one is frustrating for a whole bunch of reasons. A couple of very high profile uncalled personal fouls, three gut-wrenching turnovers, a one-point game that ends in the last minute as the Vikings offense just runs out of juice with a minute 18, three timeouts, needing just about 35 yards to get into field goal range. They didn't even get close. All kinds of other problems. I could list them forever, but instead... Let me kick it over to uh, to Ron Johnson. This is what I always start with on these. What's the headline? What is the thing that sticks out to you the most? Uh, the Vikings lost the game. The, the 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 Broncos did not win the game, in my opinion. I feel like that was a Vikings Astute? game. I feel like it was a Vikings game that should have been won. <laughs> um, I mean, if you look at the time of possession, 35 to 25. If you look at first downs, 19 to 13. And the majority of all of this Russell Wilson yardage came in the very last drive of the game. Uh, you know, third yeah. downs. Like, the Vikings defense held them two for 12 on third downs. It was one for 11 until that last drive. And then just the the Cortland Sutton play. I think we talked about this all week about uh, no uh, Caleb Evans. Um, can you get something out of Makai Blackman? And honestly, I feel like that's a play uh, Caleb Evans probably makes. One, a little bit longer, a little bit stronger, a little bit taller. He's probably there. I know he's trying to split the difference between the two. He's still like either thought, thought about intercepting it, didn't go in for an interception, just figured I'm going to knock it down. Either way, it just wasn't a great play. So I feel like the Vikings lost this game. You look at the uh, interception Josh Rattella should have had, that eliminates the three going to the half. Right. Uh, there's a lot of little plays here and there you could say, hey, if you just do this, you know, like the, the Alexander Madison fumble, the, jo- the the dumb play on third down. That's the other headline for me. What are we doing on third and one? Because I don't really understand half these trick plays that Kevin O'Connell assumes he needs to do versus realizing you have a big, strong quarterback just do the tush push every time. Call it the Josh Mosh, the Mosh pit. Just you have a Josh <laughs> Mosh pit. So we got the Josh Mosh. Just third and one. Just do it every time. Like there's no reason to get too tricky when you have a guy that size. Um, Sam, what sticks you, out to you? When you mess around with bad teams, bad th- bad things happen. This was a Gophers loss. Ron Johnson can relate. (laughs) You can't put a bad team away. Bad things happen. And I want to stay respectful to that Denver defense because I do think they are pretty good. They hit hard. Yeah, they are. They they pressure you. They're tough to play against. So that side of the ball, I actually have some respect for, amazingly, after they gave up 70 in the early season. Their run defense, though, completely porous. Their offense, this is a shell of the Russell Wilson that terrorized the Vikings with Seattle. And yet it feels like so many other Russell Wilson games the Vikings have played in over the years. It felt like 2020 again at Seattle, needing to just keep the Seahawks out of the end zone. And uh, they couldn't do it tonight with Cortland Sutton making a couple fantastic catches. Frustrating, 
frustrating. The only solace is, is that there's no one coming for you in the NFC. This probably doesn't paralyze your playoff hopes, but that one sucks. And that might kill you in the NFC North race. If you wanted to catch the Lions, that might be the the gut punch there. Just got to be two back by Christmas. <laughs> that's that's the goal. Two back yeah, by you're Christmas. Not wrong. You play them twice and you control your own destiny. But for me, this is turnovers again. And and this is like the sixth time this, this year we have said this. You can't go 0-3 on the road in turnovers. You can't mm. fumble your first drive away. You can't do back-to-back turnover crap. And that's what they did. Alexander Madison fumbles. Broncos go down and kick. And then you throw a hideous interception based off of a Ty Chandler blown block. There is so much. I don't know about you guys, but for me, my mentions are on Twitter are a slot machine of Madison hate. And I feel like Ty Chandler made the same mistakes, honestly, uh, that that Madison did, but just looked a little faster doing it. So I I don't know. The the whole room had a a good night until it wasn't a good night until the, the, the turnovers happened. But they did run really well on the, on that Broncos defense, which a lot of people do. Um, but it just it feels like you're just sort of pushing around the the landscaping on a house that falls apart when you commit three pretty bad turnovers. They've afflicted this team all season. First drive turnovers, especially. I first drive. It's was it the fifth game that they've turned it over on the first drive. It's horrifying. Times. Yeah. And yeah. And to think that KOC needed that gimmick play on in the script, like wouldn't you hold on to that Dobbs one? one? Yeah. Like, well, so I think that's a setup to be honest, because that is so Hawkinson gets under center, which they've done a couple times this year. Now he's tossing it to Dobbs. And I, I think that might become some weird throw, but like that feels like it's setting something else up. Like they're begging a team in the future of their schedule, maybe the Lions, to be like, hey, look at this. Are, don't you want to make sure you're prepared for when we toss it to Josh Dobbs? That's a run play. We promise. <laughs> fair, fair. And uh, you, they might be playing 4D chess with that, but they almost got their um, their new savior of a starting quarterback i say that kind of in air quotes a little bit but yeah, they almost got him we knocked head, out of the game head, I mean, that was a, kareem jackson was headhunting and he barely missed like concussing josh dobbs on that play so the third and short stuff which sunday night football talked up a lot how good the vikings were in short yardage and then they really weren't tonight at all yeah um, Th- yeah. They they overthought it. They made mistakes. But I do want to touch on what you mentioned there, that, that head hunting. I thought there were three egregious personal fouls in this one that were not called. And I usually wouldn't complain about that too much. I get it. Refs miss things. The refs are not going to call it perfect. You're going to go back and look on instant replay and say that should have been called. And that's part of it. It's an imperfect job with imperfect results. And we kind of just have to swallow that if we want to be football fans. But when it comes to player safety, I get a lot more ticked off. That was lowering the helmet into Dobbs. That should have been 15. There was a play from Alex Singleton on the, the drive that uh, ended that that I think like two plays later was the fake punt, which was pretty cool um, with Alexander Madison. Very much forward progress had stopped. Singleton comes flying in, lowers his head, leads with the head of his with the crown of his helmet. No flag right in front of a ref. No flag. I, I, I like let him play, but. To me, I was like deeply concerned about player safety in this one. And I think NFL officiating should have to answer for that publicly. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, mean, you know, I would say I agree with that. Like I tweeted, I think the whole game, I've been tweeting a bunch of the other stuff that was missed. But the the helmet spearing a player, no matter if it's a quarterback or not, but especially protecting quarterbacks, that's like the teach tape the referees show up to the facility with. 
If you want to see yeah. what hitting a crown of a helmet is, that's what the crown of your helmet being used like a weapon. And somebody said, oh, he didn't hit him in the in the head. He hit him in the chest. It doesn't matter. You can't spear a player in the chest, the back, the neck, the head. You cannot spear them in the upper body. Uh, he almost left his feet, too. I think if we go back, he probably lunged a little bit and left his feet and basically turned himself into a battering ram. Uh, but but also, Luke, to your point, in the first quarter, the Vikings have now had three interceptions and six fumbles. They had five fumbles coming into this game, eight turnovers. Just horrible. They have giveaways. Eight turnovers in the first quarter. The only team that was worse was the Cleveland Browns, and I don't think Cleveland had any turnovers in the fourth quarter, first quarter today <laughs> because, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe the Steelers just didn't make it happen. But I haven't, and I, honestly, I don't know. Maybe they did have one because I know there were some uh, some old Viking Chen and Sullivan. I saw got an interception today, former Viking for the oh, Steelers. Yeah. Um, but when you when you just think about the number of turnovers in the first quarter, there's there, it's so hard to win football games with turnovers. Period. But to start off every single game, it feels like almost with some type of like shot in the foot, and then they got to clean it up and, and try to come back. And, it, and that's just not a recipe for success long term. It's just a matter of of consistency. I do want to uh, talk a little bit about the defense. There are a lot of people in the chat talking about two particular plays: the the touchdown to Sutton, which you already talked about a little bit, Ron, and the uh, the the Metellus missed interception in the end of the half. I want to go a little deeper into those moments, which just loom so large now because they could have had you know turnovers of their own. Those those passes were lofty and floaty, and and you you mm -hmm. know just kind of comes down to who can make a play. And at the end of the day, in the fourth quarter, the Broncos made more plays. I want to dive deeper into that, which uh, is what we're going to do next. Today's postcast is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. It's the best place to get yourself uh, started on whatever hiring tasks that you have. And if you're not looking on LinkedIn, what are you doing? It's the biggest uh, database of potential applicants available. They have millions and millions of people. I mean, who's not on LinkedIn, right? Uh, just add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your company's page, and that'll spread the word that you're hiring, and you'll get a flood of a whole bunch of ap applicants from a huge pool. That might be overwhelming, though. There's a lot of applicants, so they also have screening tools to help you narrow it down, uh, like questionnaires and whatnot, that can help you get somebody that is right for your company and your job. Look, this is not a one-size-fits-all. This is not a cookie-cutter situation, and LinkedIn understands that. That is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Moving right along here with the locked on Vikings postcast, let's get into some of the defensive plays. And in addition to those sort of end zone jump ball situations the Vikings came up short in, here's what drives me insane. This gave that that final touchdown drive gave me shades of 2021 in Ford Field against the winless Lions. Lions had like a minute and had like a 12 play drive for a touchdown on just checkdowns. That was just checkdowns. The the Broncos did not have to win any reps. They didn't have to like have someone make a play. Russ could just dump it off to an unguarded running back. And the Vikings, who are usually okay with that, and they'll come up and they'll rally and tackle, utterly failed to tackle. 
And I think about that fourth quarter and it really just feels like, yeah, this just came down to Pirine versus Metellus or Pace or whoever was there. Can you make the tackle or can't you? Or TJ Hawkinson going up for a ball. Can Justin Simmons knock it out? Or does TJ Hawkinson win in that situation? Does Josh Metellus and Makai Blackman, can those guys break up a fourth down pass in the end zone? Or is it going to be touchdown Broncos? Broncos just won every single one of those situations. So for me, that's the Broncos won this game and the Vikings didn't deserve to. But I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Yeah, I um, I, I felt like the time was really not a factor for Denver on their final drive. They had the two-minute warning. They had three timeouts. They had three minutes. So why are you playing so prevent in that situation when the other team's not stressed about time? Why Why are you playing as if there's 40 seconds to go and you're so willing to give them easy first downs on checkdowns? That was bothersome to me. Uh, they brought a number of safety blitzes on that drive that weren't effective. They were dropping most of the game and it was working for the most part. It's it was complain about the results until the very end. I thought they played the final drive, maybe a little peculiar, but again, you don't want to get caught in a zero blitz and have Russ beat you over the top. Uh, you mentioned they didn't make a play. They did have to make one play fourth down one handed catch by Sutton where yeah, he gets interfered right. with. I mean, that's just a, a like touch. a 10 play drive. Yeah. You have to make one play. And, and Funny, all they yeah. had to do was make one play on a 10 play drive. To me, that's not setting up yourself up for success. Yeah, but I mean, Ron, I, I was having shades of last week too, where Byron Murphy Jr. was losing those contested balls in the end zone twice, and then it was Blackman in this game in the back of the end zone where that ball, the, the instant replay was so maddening. It the spiral was bad. It was floaty. It was just it, it, you know waiting for um, you know a, a hunter to pop out of the blind and shoot it like a dead duck, and uh, Blackman can't get his hand on it. Yeah, and even at the Jerry Judy drop, you know, Jerry Judy ran a slant when they went zero blitz. Mm. And if that if he just catches it, I mean, come on now. Like, that's another touchdown on, on Blackman. And so, again, to have zero blitz and some of these coverages called, I can guarantee Brian Flores is probably telling them, you got to be a little bit more here. Or you got to do a little bit more of this. Or you got to do – and it's almost like he's he's like he's right there and then he's not there. Like, he's, he's like he's like a half a step or – there's just something fundamentally off, or maybe it's just the size. Like we, we forget he is only got to what five ten. Um, and so that's the difference in like being so used to Caleb Evans at six two, six three with long arms. Like if he's beat, he's still there because his arm length, like Makai or uh, 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 Caleb Evans, I guarantee that's probably just a knockdown slant on the Jerry Judy slant, and that's probably a pass breakup to end the game. And the Minnesota Vikings are walking away with a with a win, but it, it, it is what it is. Like it happened. Uh, but I agree to Luke, like it just felt like some of the coverages down the stretch, like, I don't know if Brian Flores understood what was going on because Russell Wilson hadn't done anything all day to feel like he's going to threaten you down the field. I mean, I would just play underneath coverage, stick to my normal coverages. If he wants to take a shot, take a shot, but we, we got three safeties back there. I'm going to keep my normal guys underneath. And for some reason they were giving up the check down, like, like he was having to, you know, make 40 yard passes. Yeah, like it felt to me that the Broncos did not come prepared for drop eight. Felt like they came really prepared for the blitz, but every time the Vikings backed off, it would be a check down, tackle for loss. The Russell would throw a sack or would would not throw and take a sack or have to throw it away. Like those three man rushes and those three man rushes were getting home because Daniel Hunter played out of his mind, like he always does. Um so it felt like that drop eight was working all day. I don't even necessarily begrudge them doing that, but then it turned into drop like seven, right? Just four man rush, regular stuff and, and changing that up. I, 
I don't know, something you you may ruminate on in, in, in bed that night if you're if you're Brian <laughs> Flores. Um but what about that uh Metellus the oh, I don't know if you call it like a dropped interception or if it was a it's difficult a catch. Was it a drop? I, I didn't it's get a, a good drop. look at it. It's a drop. So the Metellus dropped interception at the end of the half. Um how I mean, obviously that would have changed everything, right? You take that pick, no, take a field goal off the board, Vikings win. Um how do we feel about Metellus's game? Because he also was kind of the culprit on the Cortland Sutton touchdown. Yeah. So this is what I say in the, in the blitz, like the Daniel Hunter sack, if you watch the loop, he kind of bumps the tackle a little bit. He goes inside and it's like, a oh, sneaky, that was awesome. Yeah. It's like a sneaky little like elbow shiver without sticking the hand out. So the refs can't say, you know, he was assisting or grabbing a tackle. He just kind of bumps the tackle. Cause you even see the tackle after the fact, kind of look around like, who hit me like like looking to his running back like yo you pushed him into me or something and so that was great by him bumping him a little bit he comes off the other one he comes scot-free and then Russell Wilson panics so he was he was doing a great job in that in those scenarios uh the 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 Tampa two because he was technically the Tampa two linebacker in that situation he should have picked it off Jerry Judy did like the like you know like he's a DB back there. I don't know what he he didn't even touch Josh Metellus I don't know why he thought he broke it up like that's why Steve Smith hates him because he is so unaware of what's going on. Um, but he's Josh pump faking. He's he's pump faking guys. That was, pump fake come Josh on, Metellus. man! You can't oh, let another man. another Metellus lost rep on that. that <laughs> oh, that was so a bad. night to forget, now, perhaps. Now the one thing I do understand though is they were saying he thought pass. I think Josh Metellus was thinking lateral, like he was faking, like he's going to lateral it to the side because Metellus yeah. kind of like jumped. But I'm like, let him lateral it. Trust that your teammates there, like. But I get, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. It, it didn't turn into a huge run because he, he did end up getting tackled like two yards, three yards later. Um, but on some of the coverage stuff, I don't know. Like, this is the thing I always struggle with, like, bl- not say blaming guys, but like DBs being in the area. Because we've seen uh, Patrick Peterson talk about this a ton. When you think about Patrick Peterson and PFF and, and their war on Twitter, uh, where they would try to say, <laughs> like, Patrick Peterson was responsible for yeah. this, and then he would, and then Chris Tomlinson, you know, would tweet it out like, oh, Patrick Peterson uh, had the worst He'd grade ask. of the week. <laughs> He'd just say, hey, Peterson, you had a bad PFF grade. What do you think about that? <laughs> and Peterson would always say, like, you don't know my coverage. That's not my guy. You guys are just giving me the, the negative, but it's not my guy. So I struggle a little bit sometimes because we don't know what Josh Martellus was told. We don't know what blade of grass we, he was told to defend. Um, but I would be very remiss if Brian Flores would want him to guard nothing. And that's the only thing I kind of wonder is like sometimes you see guys drop, um, they they drop like aimlessly as if they don't really know or they don't know like they don't want to get tricked by Russell Wilson's eyes. Um, but I, I just feel like it's not it's not like looking at Prince. You're not going to be captivated by Russell Wilson's aura. So just let his eyes take you to the play. And I think that's how safeties need to play. Linebackers have to do a little bit different underneath. Um, but I think overall he was okay. Like he wasn't bad. Uh, but yeah, because some plays have been made. Of course. I want to see where you guys are at on the running game, which the Vikings really came in trying to lean on. And I think that that's appropriate when you see what has happened to the Broncos over time. Say, let's let's run the rock this time. Let's see if we can take advantage of what everybody else has taken advantage of. But obviously, it had some shortcomings, and uh, we're going to get into that. Today's episode is brought to you by... 
DoorDash, which is an unbelievably clutch thing for me, especially when the Vikings are playing around dinner time, <laughs> because I'm taking notes, I'm covering the game. I do not have time to like get up and start cooking. DoorDash has been an absolute lifesaver there, and it's been a great way for me to get to know some of the local spots around me that I would have never stumbled across otherwise because I just don't go down that street or you don't walk around. There's a burrito taco place that I've been absolutely obsessed with. So get on DoorDash and find that uh, that hole in the wall joint that you otherwise wouldn't have known. You can get 50% off up to a $10 value as well when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. So download the app, spend 15 bucks or more on, on the first order you make, and you can get 50% off up to a $10 value. That is subject to change and terms apply. Okay, this is going to be the debate of the week, I think. Everybody is way up in arms about Alexander Madison versus Ty Chandler. They got about an even split. Tom Pelissero said this morning, there's going to be about an even split. They got an even split. I think people got really upset when Madison fumbled and then like, the next time Madison came in that he wasn't benched. But I personally, I'm going to I'm going to start here because I think that this has gotten way out of control. I'm not super happy with Madison. I don't think he's been like good, but I, people are telling me that they got to leave him on the on the tarmac before they go home or he's got blackmail on O'Connell, that's why he goes in. I don't I think that's insane. When it comes to Chandler, I thought Akers was outplaying him. Obviously, he's not an, an option anymore, but I didn't think it was like by a huge margin. Um and I don't think Ty Chandler has outplayed Madison. Like you have Madison fumble, you give up a rep and then Ty Chandler gives up uh, a strip sack. That was his man that got that, that or the interception, but functionally the same thing ball gets hit by the guy you let through. So I think one turnover on each of those guys. And I think people are focusing way too much on one and not enough on the other. Um, there's a vision thing with, with Chandler that, is what everybody thinks the vision thing is with Madison. And I think ultimately this comes down to Chandler looks faster and everybody wants a guy that looks faster. I, I really don't know how much more there is to it in a, in a lot of people's minds. I, I If there is more, please let me know. I would love to hear a, a more salient argument than that. Um, but I don't know. Am I, am I off base here? Should Madison be thrown into a volcano on the Rocky Mountains on the way home? Or? <laughs> Rod, no, Rod, definitely you go not. First. No, definitely not. No, like... <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I'm, a, I'm, on, I'm Team Chandler, um, not Chandler Bing. Even though rest in peace to uh, Matthew Perry. <laughs> rest in peace. Um, Too soon. But, <laughs> but, but I am, I am Team Ty Chandler. Like, and the, and the only reason is what you said, Luke. It's only the explosion. That's it. Like, I think Madison is really good in the pass game. I think he's good in the blocking scheme stuff. Um, I think he's very solid in the run game. He has some very strong second effort runs today. Um, but. Ty Chandler just looks more explosive. And this is what I look at. If you look at the 18 carries for Madison and 81 yards, the 10 carries for Chandler, even though one of them was the, uh, the, 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 punt, the fake punt, um, the take fake that punt out which there. was awesome. Uh, you could take that. Was that 31 yarder? I think is what it was. Yeah. 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 That, yeah, yeah. So you could take that out of there. If you say nine carries, um, but you know, they're about even there, but again, that's double the carries. Yes. They were on the field for the same amount of time, but double the carries. I would love to see Ty Chandler, and I said this uh, like the last two weeks, 20 carries. Just see what he can do with 20 carries because I feel like he's a guy that as the game goes on gets a little bit more um, comfortable in the game, and that's the thing. that He hasn't been able to get comfortable yet. We wanted Akers to get comfortable, then mm -hmm. he gets hurt. Um, then they go back to Madison. Madison gets a concussion, um, and everybody's like, oh, he's not going to play, and then he's in. So 
there's 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 so much to it but i just think it's strictly faster he looks more explosive he looks faster i would love like that punt return or whatever punt fake that fake i'd love to see him yeah i'd love to see him get more opportunities like that in offensive game plan whether it's screens uh whether it's jet sweeps just get him the ball in space and let i mean the 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 catch he caught out the backfield I mean that was a hell of an effort to get to get close enough for the tush push or the 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 the, the Josh Mosh. Oh, that third and um, twenty was awesome. Yeah, yeah, third, yeah. And so that's I think that's the only reason people are saying that because the speed it looks faster on TV to the naked eye. Um, but Luke, you brought up a great point. As a coach, when we're breaking down film, the missed blocks that matters. Like you, you got to be able to hit that guy. You got to be able to pick up that blitz. And so no block, no rock. Yeah, running back scanning. You, you, you can't just be a first and second down back. I got to be able to use you the whole time. And maybe that's why Madison continues to stay in there because he is a three, a third, a three down back. Yeah. It, it is very much a pass blocking thing. This is the the aspect of playing the position that people haven't talked about forever. You know, Mike Boone was the guy a couple of years ago. Mike Boone couldn't see, see the field. It was, it bothered me. It bothered everybody, but pass blocking um, Alexander Madison proved in this game, why he's better at it than Ty Chandler. However, Ty Chandler is unquestionably a better running back than Alexander Madison, who's got a career low going in yards per carry this year. Um, I, I don't think the pass blocking for Chandler to my eye in the preseason and regular season games, I don't think that's been a massive problem. I also don't think Alexander Madison's fumbling since what week two has been a massive problem either. I don't think either of them are massive problems. I don't think you need to overreact based on this game. Mistakes happen. They're untimely. Mm -hmm. They're unfortunate. Uh, these are very glaring. But I, I think ultimately going forward, you got to see a lot of Ty Chandler on first and second down. If he can't pass block, then don't have him pass block on third down. Have Alexander Madison do it. But I I like Chandler getting a lot more touches. I just think he he's he's got a patience but he's also got an explosion. Like he's not, he's, he's finding his holes. He's hiding behind blockers and then hitting his, uh, you know, his openings very decisively. So I like Chandler a lot, um, but I'm also not completely out on Madison just because of the fumble. I, I thought, honestly, I thought both running backs ran well outside of the turnovers, which I, I tweeted that. And a lot of people said, yeah, but that ruins his whole game. And I th that's fair. If you just want to say he fumbled, can't have a bad game where you fumble. I'm sympathetic to that. I'll give you this. Um, between Madison and Chandler, 154 yards rushing, uh, 81 for Madison, 73 for Chandler. If you want to do what Ron said and take the 31 for Chandler out, uh, that would be 10 carries for 42 yards, 4.2 on average. Madison was 4.5 on average. I think they had pretty similar days. And hey, look, I and this guy will tell all. Um, and, and with running back, I think it's a pretty big offensive need. I think they really need a running back in the offseason, but it's not the offseason. The you have the guys you have in the building um, right now, and you, you've got to make do with what you have. And I, I still think that in terms of all-around consistency, Madison is should get half the carries and Chandler should get half the carries. I think that's where I'm at. I think it's about even. Uh, Ron, any closing thoughts, anything we didn't get to that that you want to talk about before you got to get out of here? Oh, yeah. I mean, the only thing I'd say is third down calls for, for KLC going forward. My, that third and, yeah, those yeah. third and ones for me, um, that's the most glaring. Other than that, it's just getting – I saw a bunch of it in the chat. Getting up Caleb Evans back. I think we forgot yeah, it was and huge. we missed how good he really is. So, you know, I think that's really it. Other than that, I'm not going to overreact. I'll save that for, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, next week. 
on uh, Locked On Sports because I don't want to I don't want to be the, the the sad guy at night just going off. So uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah, appreciate it, Ron. Ron's going to go do radio. Uh, I think we got to give a Dobbs grade though. I mean, we haven't talked a lot of Dobbs. I think but, we got to yeah, evaluate. Yeah, let's do his, that real quick. His game. Yeah, we got a few minutes here. I, how how about I frame this for you, Sam? So yeah. this I think the Josh Dobbs thing right now is a week to week proposition. Um, as, as well as he played against New Orleans, however you think he played this time, I think every single time you're going back and saying, is it Jaron Hall time? Is it Nick Mullins time? Or are we still going with this hot hand? Because I think the only reason he has the job is because he is the quote unquote hot hand. So if his hand cools, which I guess is debatable. So I guess the question is, where are how long is his leash next week based on this game? Did it get shorter? Would that be an overreaction? How do you think that they, they should uh, approach that? Yeah, so I find it funny a little bit that the overreaction on Madison in response to a fumble is what it is, and then Dobbs, who fumbled three times against Atlanta and then three times in this game, lost one. I haven't seen a, as nearly as much of that. I've seen a lot of, you yeah, know... I, I, I people, don't know if people, people think are, it's his fault. Because he had really, like, like bot snaps. I guess that is your fault. Yeah, you should you got to get the snap. Yeah, yeah, Dobbs is like the fourth biggest culprit, if that. In, in tonight, um, he did not handle the pressure late um, very well. And that's part of the thing is that he's not going to be able to do the Houdini acts every single time like he did early in this game, like he did against the Saints and the Falcons. That is, you know, it's one of those kind of unsustainable things, kind of like the fumbles, like the fumbles probably won't last that much either. So you think about how was he kind of down by down as a passer? I, I did think he was fairly decisive. Um, he put some balls, you know, on TJ Hawkinson that he didn't catch. He also made some ill-advised throws. I mean, there were probably five or so throws that I don't think he should have yeah. Um, yeah. And, and he got away with all, you know, most of them. And then the one time he gets hit as he throws, it gets picked off. Um, I thought this was about a C for Dobbs. I mean, I thought there were some times where he actually should have run and didn't. Um, certainly didn't work the ball downfield in a very meaningful way. You give him credit, though, for producing the two touchdowns that he did with his legs and his arms. Like, those are Superman plays. That's the mystique of Dobbs, but it dried up in the second half. I think it's a C grade for Dobbs, and I think he definitely starts against Chicago and finishes against Chicago, to be honest with you. I think it would have to be a serious clunker and certainly a loss at home against the Bears for them to reconsider. I think I'm there too. I don't think you're in a world where you get a quick hook if he throws a pick or anything like that. That would be a pretty harsh overreaction. Um, although I have seen people say that, I mean, I've seen all, all, all ranges of, of reactions to this game. People are upset. I get it. Um, but yeah, I think if you go up against the bears Monday night football and Dobbs just falls apart, turns it over four times and you lose by two scores and you go, all right, (laughs) that was fun for a minute. Let's, let's see what Nick Mullins has, right? Let's go back to hall or whatever you want to do. Um, but as we go, and I, I I don't care what letter you want to put on that. I'll go with you on a C. I don't care. I'm seeing um, a lot of B plus, B minus, C plus in the C comments. Plus. Yeah, sure. Something like that. Um, I mean, look, the touchdown to Josh Oliver was really sick. There was a lot of scrambling around in the first half. And then I think the, the Broncos figured out how to cover it, figured out how to get pressure on him to, to be disciplined about their rush lanes. And all he could do was run backwards and heave that thing to nowhere. And that's going to start getting you eventually. Um, as we go forward here, bears are next, then the bye, then the Raiders. Um, Justin Jefferson, Sounded like he was kind of close to coming back on this one. Ultimately, they decided not to, but it sounds like he's getting there. And uh, a 
return on Monday night football against the bears feels possible, if not likely. Um, so now we get this like infusion of talent into the offense. We get to look forward. Vikings are still six and five. They went five and one without JJ. If uh, JJ does indeed come back against the bears, that's something to hang your hat on. I think. And like you said, in terms of the NFC standings, the bucks lost again. And they were kind of the only team that really was looking at, it feels like the wildcard teams are just here. As long as the Vikings don't totally fall apart and just like lose out, it feels like they're like two or three wins away from from locking in a playoff spot and being able to go on the road and take your chances with somebody. So patience is in order, if you ask me. Uh, Bengals game just became a whole lot more manageable. The Jake Browning revenge Jake, game, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's still, you got three opponents that you should beat before the uh, the Lions game. And if you're nine and five at that point, you feel really good. So don't bail after this one tough place to play tough defense to play against it is still inexcusable in many ways football's a week-to-week league i mean you're gonna you're gonna play yep. badly you're not gonna play your best and you can play great on monday against the bears and you can you know suddenly get all the momentum back i don't know about you sam i feel like i've catharted a bit i feel like i've gotten it out it's Good. out there you can do it we again got- on the minnesota football party yeah. <laughs> monday morning on locked on sports minnesota <laughs> And I intend to with uh, Arif Hassan and Luke Inman, uh, who knows what he did. So he couldn't be here today. Uh, that is going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Vikings postcast. You can, of course, find us live on the Lockdown Minnesota Sports YouTube channel after every single game. We will be there breaking it down. See you all for the week of Lockdown Vikings, the week of Lockdown Minnesota Sports. Everybody get some sleep. It's all going to be all right. See you guys next time.